people always talk about marketing week and building week as if like those are the only two things that matter but like you should think about doing good research as just as important hello and welcome back to indie bites the podcast where i bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less Today is a very special episode because it marks 100 episodes of Indie Bites. And to mark that occasion, I'm bringing back my very first guest, Charlie Ward, founder of Ramen Club, to talk about how he's grown his community into the core of the London indie scene while scaling at its peak to 7K MRR. Charlie has also been a long-time supporter of the show, having sponsored well over 30 episodes and taken a bet on me early on. But before we get into this conversation, I want to thank the Indie Bites sponsor, Email Octopus. Funnily enough, I actually met the founders through Charlie's community, Indie London. So let me tell you a bit about them. Email Octopus are an indie email marketing platform built to support other small growing businesses like yours. They're focused on affordability and ease of use, which is perfect when you're starting out as a bootstrapper. Email Octopus contains all of the features you need to reach and grow your audience. And you can start today without paying a penny on their free plan where you can contact up to 2,500 subscribers. Try Email Octopus, head to emailoctopus.com or hit the link in the show notes. Charlie, welcome back to the pod. How are you doing? I'm doing well, James. It's an honour to be invited back. I can't believe it's been a hundred episodes and however many years, three years since I started the pod. Yeah. I think it's fundamentally changed my life in the sense that I wouldn't have met the people that I've met through the podcast and I wouldn't have started the podcast had I not had the encouragement of the ramen club community and I think that's the case with a lot of ramen club members do you sort of feel that as well have you seen that where other people wouldn't have started their things without the community you started yeah it's hard to say for sure you know I'm sure that some people may have still gone on to do certain things who do you think has been the most successful person that's come from ramen club or company or group of people well if you just look at it in terms of say how large the business has grown you have to say veed because saba was in the ramen club slack like back in 2019 or something like that and that's when they were on like a few k mrr and we first met saba and tim when they were came to indie beers and they were on they didn't have revenue i think at that point which is insane and now you know they've raised a series a they're growing really fast and you know there's lots of other examples of people that have gone on to success like seeing you and indie bites of course data fetcher for example where andy cloak tiny hosts with elston barretto just lo- lots of people you know we have like four different members are in the late in the tiny a tiny seed cohort right now considering it's like 130 people that's that's a pretty good hit rate that's interesting that some members have also gone on to raise from tiny seed some people have gone on to raise funding I will. We will loop back to this at the end because I want to get your thoughts on what being an indie hacker is now. But on our first episode we recorded, Charlie, the company that you were running was called Weekend Club mm. and you've since rebranded it to Ramen Club. What prompted the change in, in brand for you? Weekend Club came about when I was at Indie Beers with Will Klopp, who runs Simple Pole. We just discussed, like, it would be cool if people could kind of co-work together, like, occasionally on, like, a Saturday or something. Over the years, it evolved and, you know, there were people who were basically full-time on their projects and it just didn't make sense just to call it Weekend Club because we also had people who didn't join because they're like, oh, I don't want to co-work on the weekend. I want to hang out during the week or something like that. So we just thought that the name was slightly redundant and I was just thinking for a while about, okay, what should it be called and, like, what is the community about? And a lot of the people who join the community are not all, but a lot are just starting out. And the kind of 
goal that unites a lot of people is this thing around ramen profitability or being ramen profitable. Paul Graham describes that as ramen profitable means a startup makes just enough to pay the founders living expenses. And, you know, you can argue about what just enough means for some people that's still living a life of luxury for some people that literally is like living off ramen noodles living on someone's sofa or something like that i kind of my interpretation is it means sort of the lower end but you basically the power of it is you don't need a job and you don't need outside funding or anything like that so i thought this is like a nice kind of shared goal a lot of people have when joining to get to the point of freedom and it doesn't mean it's the end goal you know you don't want to necessarily live like that forever but it's a point where you can really dedicate yourself to your products your startup your idea and really take it where you want to take it so i just thought it made a lot of sense so you've learned a lot about building community over the years if people want to sort of replicate this or build their own community for their niche what advice would you give them if they're starting out first of all i would just do a little bit of reading before you start so i would just read a book called get together by Bailey Richardson. It's very short. It's just a very good primer on starting uh, communities. Also, Rosie Sherry, who was the head of community at Indie Hackers, has a really good blog and community called Rosieland. But generally speaking, I think people kind of move too quickly to like, oh, let's start a Slack or let's start a Discord. Generally, what I've recommended to people is just start with a group chat. So just start with a highly curated say 10, 20 people like WhatsApp or Telegram or iMessage, have a clear idea before you start, okay, what is the purpose of this community and who it's for? Make it free at the beginning. And you want, you want to get to a stage where your group chat is basically kind of exploding. So it's like too much to handle and people are inviting other people and that sort of thing. And then you're like, oh, wow, we need to move to something a bit more sophisticated Think of some good regular rituals. So rituals are basically like the equivalent of features and communities. They're like regular things that you do to make people progress towards the purpose of your community. So, you know, in like a maker community, a common ritual is you say, hey, well, what's everyone working on this week? It, it seems like common sense, but I would just start very simply with a group chat and go from there. Charlie, you are like in this community with a lot of early founders and a lot of successful founders you've seen people sort of go through the whole process by osmosis you must get a lot of growth stories tactics advice what are some advice you would give to founders in terms of starting validating and then growing their products you know there's always an exception to every rule but generally speaking by all means like experiment with a few ideas see what's working what's not working try different things out but the people i've seen with the most success when they find something that does seem to get more natural traction they tend to double down on that and work on that for like a couple of years before they're getting to like enough to be able to, to completely survive of it you know if you work on two startups at the same time you know some people may have had success with that but for most people it probably reduces your chance of either of those being really successful and it, it's fun working on multiple things like the kind of people that get into being founders a lot of people are very curious and creative but you know it's just like if, if doing what's most fun is one thing but doing what's most likely to give you a life-changing outcome is sometimes a different thing it, it, it depends on your goals as well what i've learned from this podcast and speaking to people in ramen club that it's up to you how you spend your indie life and your time and what you want to do what goals you have uh when i spoke to 
Rob Walling, he was talking about a lot of indie founders want permanent freedom. That when I spoke to Ramen Club member Michael Christofides, he said that he's quite happy growing slowly and doing things at the pace that works for him because he quite enjoys the safety net of his contracting and he wants to carry on doing that for a while and so people have different viewpoints they've got different goals so there's no one right answer but if you do want to get to success and that permanent freedom portfolio projects harder to do yeah i believe so i believe so and you're right yeah i mean part of the reason people go into this sort of world rather than a vc-backed world is so they have a bit more control over their destiny and their day-to-day so yeah in terms of other stuff that i've learned from just you know working with people in in this community aside from people kind of tending after experimenting the focus on one thing they also are very focused with their marketing channel so reacher prasad for example who runs coach fever she says they spend at least 80 percent of their effort just on youtube and they've done that for years and years and it means they're great at youtube rather than like they're not okay at five channels they're great at youtube and then they have like a couple of other things they focus on and i've seen this like people pick something it can be seo it can be youtube it could be cold outreach i've seen all of them work and other things besides that something else i think is interesting is just like on the types of ideas that work so they tend to go for competitive markets but they kind of execute it in a slightly novel way so you have tiny host you take a huge industry that exists already which is web hosting and you might look at like digital ocean and think oh wow i can't just create another digital ocean but what tiny host did was they just made it far more accessible and cheaper um, and they just made like a really easy sort of free plan so at one point i don't think you even had to create an account to host something you know so they just made it really easy so big market but in a novel kind of execution or you had to say data fetcher by andy cloak which lets you run api requests from an Airtable base he noticed that this existed for google sheets and he's like where else could this work oh this doesn't exist on Airtable. and i think if you just take that sort of one idea of like okay what works in this market could i just do this in a different market let's say a successful chrome extension could you just make this an extension for firefox there's actually like so many different things you can build just with this idea and it's basically pre-validated and i think more people should be doing this especially if it's like their first kind of idea it's still creative to me this is still valuable i think sometimes people try to be too creative with what they're trying to build especially in the I think if you're building something venture-backed, it kind of should be something that's like novel and really difficult to achieve and like you've never seen before. But in the bootstrap world, I think you may want to go a little bit safer sometimes. Now, Charlie, you mentioned marketing as one of the disciplines that is really useful for founders. Now, one of the other facets that I've not heard before, but is something you do on a day-to-day and have done for years is research. User research isn't something that i've ever really considered or done and i don't think a lot of founders do but you think it is something that should be considered more why is that and how do people get started yeah i kind of think that people mostly just think of research it's the sense of validating a product but there's really just like a lot more to it than that but i just i just think that research generally should be put on the same pedestal as building and marketing people always talk about marketing week and building week 
as if like those are the only two things that matter but like you should think about doing good research as just as important you know that can be from just making sure it's really easy for people to provide feedback or book a call with you you know you should be speaking to as a minimum one user every week there's this really good book called continuous discovery habits and the backbone of continuous discovery is that you're speaking to one user a week and it can doesn't even need to be on anything specific it can just be asking about what their experience is because things change in the market you should know, for example you know all sorts of things can happen obviously something like you know being in a lockdown is a huge change to like customer behavior or coming out of a lockdown or oh we work's just gone like there's all sorts of things that can happen that you may not expect and it can change people's behavior and how they're thinking about the product or something might have broken that you're not aware of so it's important to just continuously speak to people so yeah i just think founders need to put it on a bit more of a a pedestal than they currently are do you really think it's equivalent to building a marketing where people associate those days or weeks for them that you can also do that for research i'm not i'm not necessarily saying you know you need to do a research week and a marketing week and a building week separately but more like research should just be like completely ingrained in a lot of things you do so it's just about having the the research way of thinking throughout a lot of things you do because i some you know it's hard to estimate this but a common chart that i see is that it's 100 times the effort to change things in development than does at the design stage and that becomes more true the more complex and larger your product gets it gets that difference gets bigger and bigger is it possible to do too much research yes of course you know if you're doing usability testing with more than five people then you, you're wasting your time most of the time and you also some things are reversible so it's not worth testing you know it's a lot of effort to research and test things but you want to be doing just enough to make sure you're building good products and doing effective marketing that's continuously improving charlie you just said something that made me made me chuckle so you said you can do too much research i also believe you can do too much building but i don't think you can do too much marketing <laughs> i think that is the one thing you could just do over and over and it would have a positive impact on your business yes, as long as it doesn't come at the expense of you know of some product. of the other stuff but yeah that's probably the one thing that it's least bad to do too much of <laughs> well charlie you've been a great guest you know i end every episode on three recommendations now you're on episode one where your recommendations were influence as the book the knowledge project as the podcast and will Klopp as the indie hacker hit me with three new recommendations a book 100 million dollar offers by alex homozzi podcast i like to listen to lex friedman's podcast um i think it's good to kind of take your head out the weeds of day-to-day -day sort of tactical bootstrapping podcasts sometimes finally indie hacker and uh, so our good friend elston barretto who runs tiny host charlie great recommendations thank you so much going back on this episode episode 100 of indie Bites. <laughs> it's an honor to be on number one and the hundreds maybe i could be on 200 as well <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of indie bites with charlie from ramen club if you enjoyed that and want to hear more a reminder the full extended conversation where charlie and i debate the effectiveness of ai among other things is available on the indie bites membership that you can get access to at indiebytes.com slash membership and a thank you again to my awesome sponsor email octopus that's all from me see you next week <laughs>